Welcome back to the Beyond Macros podcast. We are the Sustainable Transformation Nutrition Coaches, and our show will help you get leaner, stronger, and perform better in a way that lasts with episodes about nutrition, recovery, and the all-important art of inner work. In today's episode, I explore how Andy Petranik thinks about creating daily habits for the Whole Life Challenge. For those who aren't familiar, the Whole Life Challenge started as a game to change your habits in seven areas of life, nutrition, exercise, mobility, sleep, hydration, well-being, and reflection. The game is designed to help you get momentum with these habits so that they become a part of your daily routine. You probably can finish everything that you need to do, the seven daily habits, in, in about an hour. Like, it probably doesn't take more than an hour, but it does take an hour. So I figured there's no better way to wrap up this streak series than with an interview with Andy. We talk about how to choose good habits, how to frame the habit in a way that is easy to quantify, and my favorite subject, how to create sustainable habits. Before we dive in, I will be putting up a nutrition streak planning worksheet at beyondmacros.com streak. This worksheet will get you clear about where to focus with your nutrition behavior change and to create a daily habit that should anchor all of your other good nutrition habits together. You can download it at beyondmacros.com slash streak. And of course, if you are interested in making your nutrition transformation that lasts, you should set up a call to learn about our coaching options at beyondmacros.com slash initial hyphen call, or learn about our online coaching options at beyondmacros.com slash coaching. I look forward to meeting you. We're going to start this show off at the beginning of the habit formation process choosing a great habit to create. Andy taught me that great habits to form are ones that will challenge you to grow and that you know will make a difference in your life. And as much as I learned about choosing a great habit, I found that the story of removing the supplementation habit from the whole life challenge does a great job of highlighting what makes a great habit versus just a good one. When we looked at the, the seven habits and we looked at supplementation, which the fish oil turned into just supplement, whatever the choice of supplement is, it, it just didn't have the same level of effort required that the other habits did. Yeah. You know, like it certainly is important and it certainly requires an effort to remember to do it, but it occurs in, you know, literally like 10 seconds as opposed to drinking water through the day or as opposed to being mindful of what you're eating every day, as opposed to meditating for 10 minutes or working out for, you just didn't have the same level of, you know, would it, would it by itself create a difference in your life? Like flexibility for 10 minutes a day would no, it really wouldn't. In addition to choosing great habits, one of the challenges Andy runs into with the whole life challenge is that it is a game and games need to have objective rules. So I wanted to dig in to learn from Andy what the keys are for taking a subjective concept like well-being and creating measurable actions people can take to display that they are, in fact, forming a daily well-being habit. Creating the, the well-being practices has been an interesting journey one of the hardest things to do was to gamify uh, practices that are they're they're not necessarily what you would think is quantifiable. Like, how do you make something quantifiable, and how do you give it a definitive "yes, I did it" or "no, I didn't do it"? Um, the gratitude practice itself that we've used, we've done a 
few different versions of gratitude practice. Um, one, the one that has worked the best is probably the, um, the one where you have to post in your reflection feed, three things you're grateful for when you're posting a reflection. And you know, that, that just gives it a very concrete location. It gives it a very concrete time. It gives it a very concrete place that it has to exist. And you can look to it and go, yes, I did it or no, I didn't do it, which from a standpoint of a game makes it a really good practice. Another great example of where Andy struggled to define a practice is the sleep habit. We also really wanted sleep to be in the challenge and we could never figure out what do we tell people? How much sleep do they need? Do they need eight hours? Do they need seven hours? What do we make the rule? You have to get seven hours. And we, we were stuck. We decided with sleep that um, why don't we let people, why don't we give people some coaching advice and let them decide for themselves? If they're a, if they're a, um, you know, high powered executive who's getting five hours of sleep a night and they think that their duration is enough, but their quality is poor. You know, they're waking up a lot of times in the night. Maybe there's light in their room or maybe they get woken up by outside noises. Maybe committing to the same five hours every night is the challenge for them, but improving the, the quality of the room within which they sleep. You know, we're really open to anything that someone will do to, to improve that quality. They have to commit to a certain amount of time, but we let them decide what's, what's maybe it's five hours and 15 minutes as opposed to five hours of sleep. And, um, that again, push the responsibility to our players rather than put a responsibility on us to try to tell them what is right for them, which how the hell do we know? The reason they push the responsibility onto the player isn't just a cop-out. Andy explained to me, it's been a long-term part of his philosophy that started with his days in the gym. I mean, that's really been my philosophy with training for years is how am I supposed to know How many reps, you know, it drives me crazy. It used to drive me crazy to walk through the gym and watch a trainer say, okay, we're going to do a set of 10 and then we're going to do a set of eight and we're going to do a set of six. And the client isn't in duress. The client isn't like close to a max. Don't even know what the max is. Don't, are we two reps away from the max? Are we five reps away from the max? No idea. And how do they know the right weights? And they don't even ask their client, like, how is this, how's it feeling? Oh, it's pretty good. I got my 10 reps in, you know, like asking people to be responsible for knowing themselves and understanding themselves and to be a partner. You know, when I train a client, I'm their advisor. I'm not the answer. I'm not the CEO. They're the CEO. They have to decide. And I have to put questions in front of them that allow them or not allow them, require them to actually engage and require them to actually think and require them to actually be present and, and know, oh yeah, no, I, I don't know if I've even close to my max because this wasn't that hard. You know, I'm going to keep going. Reflecting back on the previous episodes in this series, each of the guests set a goal and then had to listen to their body to auto-regulate as Andy was just describing. Marcus Smith was pushing the pace on his first few marathons, and his body told him to slow his pace, so he did. And because of it, he finished the challenge and ended up crushing the final run with his best marathon time. 
David Robin crushed himself in the beginning of his streak, and then he ended up crushing himself in an ultra marathon. And his body was screaming at him, not every day will have the intensity you used to put into workouts when you took rest days. And in the direction of ramping up versus dialing back via auto regulation, Brian Casey started at just one mile per day in his 42-year running streak, and he scaled up until he learned that he could push the distance further each day, and he's ended up averaging three miles per day, even though the Run Streak Association only requires him to run one. So what's the deal with daily habits? The purpose of the daily practice is to establish a habit that is doable, a version of a habit that's doable. So, you know, I don't expect anyone to be in world-class shape in 10, with, with 10 minutes of working out a day, especially if you weren't in world-class shape to begin with. Um, I think it's a lot easier for someone to maintain their fitness with 10 minutes. Like I'm maintaining my fitness right now. I'm, I've, I'm recovering from a knee injury and uh, I've, I've got a cold and 10 minutes a day is great. And I'm able to maintain you know, I'm not going out and testing myself. So I don't know if I'm really able to maintain my fitness, but it feels like I'm pretty, still pretty darn fit. I did, I did this morning, I did, um, a hundred kettlebell clean and presses just back and forth. One hand to the other hand I did for time. I do it in like six, six and a half minutes with a 40, 45 pound kettlebell. And, um, that's all I'm going to do today. I don't have any other workout planned. It wasn't extraordinarily hard, I've worked my way up because I didn't used to be able to press a 45 pound kettlebell with my left arm. Mm. So I've worked my way up over the past, I don't know, month and a half, um, from like, a it was pathetically, pathetically weak on my left side. I think I started with a 12 kilo, uh, yeah, like a 12 kilo kettlebell on my, because my left arm was so weak yeah. and every like four days I do that same test and I'm just seeing myself gradually get a little bit stronger. Yeah. So, um, but that, that's a long way of getting back to the original question, which, which to find versions of habits that will keep you on track so that no matter what happens over the course of a day, you know you've achieved a, a, a baseline of – you've done a baseline of things that will bring you power and that will bring you health and well-being. Why are they so powerful? There have been some others that I've wanted to do that are like three-day-a-week things. Like if you get in this practice three days this week, and I can't I'm, – I'm trying – my mind is at a loss for what specifically that might have been. You know, if you get this in three days this week, great, you've succeeded. The problem with the challenge, like the whole life challenge is it's got to be a daily practice. You know, like I'd love to like accumulate – 10 minutes in the bottom of a squat. That'd be great. But what if you don't do it for six days and then on seventh day you do 10 minutes? You know, how do you score yourself? Because it's a daily challenge. Daily practices are powerful because they are the anchor for having personal power to move through your day. Now, Andy contrasts the daily practice with the challenges of trying to create a non-daily practice. There's two pieces of sustainability. One is, does it push you? Does it push you past your comfort zone? Does it push it past does it push you past your current capacity? Because if it doesn't, then it's kind of a waste of time. Like it's got to actually do something. And the measure for me of doing something is it it pushes you out of the zone where 
where you are. And that may change, especially with something like flexibility. I mean, some days I bend over first thing in the morning and I can't touch the floor. Other days I can put my palm on the floor, you know, so it can change. It's really a measure of that day. And then is it practical? And those two things have to be considered together because like I said, the first example, three hours of flexibility training every day of the week is certainly pushes you outside your comfort zone, but it's definitely not practical. Now, five minutes of bending over and hanging a day for somebody that, like I described before, who's totally inflexible, puts you out of your comfort zone a little bit is highly practical, but it, it might not make a big enough difference to make it worthwhile even doing, you know, unless that's all you're willing to give it at first to establish the pattern. So it really just depends. Those two things are really the, what you've got to keep in balance. You want to give it as much attention as you're willing to, to push you out of your comfort zone. And you've got to make it so that you're willing to wake up tomorrow and do it again. I've run into the same challenge with our online coaching program, which has seven monthly practices that are designed to help clients take the training wheels off of tracking. For example, with the meal prep practice, some people only prep once per week. So how do you bring mindfulness of the weekly practice into your daily life and develop that consistency? My solution is that the real challenge is to eat something you've prepared for yourself every day. But enough of that. The reason I like to translate habits into daily practices is sustainability. And Andy provided some interesting perspectives on creating sustainable habits that I hadn't fully considered. So for it to be sustainable, it has to be both a slight challenge and you have to feel that it's worth it. Andy also learned an important lesson about sustaining a streak and the process of failing a streak. I have a streak going right now with meditation. Yeah. So there's an app that I use called Oak and um, it, is, it, it just tracks your streaks. And I have gotten 10 minutes a day for 60 days. That's my streak right now in meditation. That's the longest I've ever gone. I, I had another streak. I just broke it. It was 54 days. It's so weird. N now that I've broken the streak, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of committed to not letting that, like, I really want to keep that going. I've tried other things too. I've tried, there's a, there's a, there's an app, uh, or a website that used to be a website. It was called, um, morning pages. Let's see. It was a morning pages thing. It was a writing practice. Uh, God, what was it called? Jeez, geez Louise. It was called 750 words, okay. 750words.com. And you had to write 750 words a day and it would track your streaks. And if you stopped, if you missed the streak, you're done. Yeah. You like, like there's no going, there's no, like, I just missed a day. I'm going to keep watching and tracking my progress. And the, the, they had a, he had a challenge that started every, the first of every month. I never made it to, I never made it to day 30. Yeah. I think my longest streak was like 15 days writing 750 words. He, his was, it was a cool app too, because you could, it would analyze your writing. It would tell you what mood you're in yeah. and it would tell you kind of, it would give you these statistics about what you were writing about. It was kind of cool. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like I think a year ago, I would not have made 60 days in a row of meditation. Something has changed for me. Something has shifted for me that has allowed that to occur. So it's, and it's interesting, you know, this, who, so I, I was listening to someone the other day and they talked about when you, when you, when you fail, when you don't get, when you don't do something that you thought you wanted to do, or you said you wanted to do, or said you were committed 
to doing. It's not because you failed. It's not because there's anything wrong with you. It's because it wasn't important enough yet. Thinking back to the episode with David Robinson, David failed his movement streak the first time he tried, and that was the kick in the ass he needed to realize that this streak is important to him. And he pushed to develop a habit that he sustained for three years now. Andy believes sustainability is not so much about motivation as it is a mindset of consistently showing up to do the work that you've decided is important to you. I think motivation is way overrated. Um, I think that I'll, I'll give you an example. So on New Year's Day, I was incredibly motivated. I was funny because I went to bed on Monday night and I thought it's no different than any other night of the week. It's just a Monday night. It just happens that everybody's on vacation and, you know, but it's a nice vacation. Cool. I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning. It's Tuesday. You know, no big deal. I woke up Tuesday morning and I was like, God damn it. It feels different today. I don't know what the hell it was. It was weird. And I got more, I, I was, I took action on more things that had been stagnating on my list of things to do that day. They'd been stagnating for quite a long time. And I was motivated. I was, I was like, it's the world global start of the new year. Everybody's there. If I wait for these global events to get done the shit that I need to get done, I'll take action once a year. (laughs) That doesn't work. That doesn't work. If I wait till I'm motivated, you know, by some external thing. And I think that's for me, the big difference between, you know, motivation for me is something that is driven from the external world in on you and it me it 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 renders you powerless it renders you a victim per se of the world because the world has to provide something that's going to get you kick you into motion yeah. you know it's it's like re- relying on your trainer to show up to kick your ass so that you'll actually work out yeah and while that can be effective you know, if you have the money to hire a personal trainer, they'll show up every day at five o'clock in the morning to come and kick your ass. Okay, maybe. But really, I think the mastery comes when you're willing to show up even when you don't feel like it in spite of no one else being around and in spite of the world not aligning around motivating you. Like you've, you've got to be willing to do the fucking work. And to show the fuck us, am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Yes, you are, Andy. You got to do the fucking work and you've got to be willing to show the fuck up and you've got to be, and that's, that's the difference between success and failure. That's the difference between a winner and a loser. A great litmus test for whether you've chosen the correct habit is, would you get up an hour earlier to get it done? Can you wake up and say, this is so important that I'm going to get up an hour earlier and get it done? Yeah. You know, like. I don't know what your, what your friend's strategy to run every day or to work out every day. Like for me, if I, if something's going to be the most important thing for me to, you know, it's going to be that high, it's going to happen first thing in the morning and it's going to happen before anybody else is awake. And it's going to happen before I get inundated with emails or with slacks or with anything else that happens in the day, because I have control over that first hour, you know, the power hour of the morning. So to recap, a habit has to be important enough for you to wake up early to do it. It has to be something that challenges you, something you know will help you grow. And Andy throws one more sustainability concept in the hat. It can't just be 
based on motivation. It can't just be, it's got to, there's, there's a discipline component. There's a, is it important enough component? Do you see the value? I, I think another thing that we haven't talked about is actually, do you see the cost of not doing it? Like what, what's, what are the costs that you're already paying that you haven't connected to that's costing you there's a negative impact in your life that you're just not willing to look at of not doing that thing. To tie these concepts to concrete examples in Andy's life, I'm going to pass the mic to him for a few minutes to break down his daily routines, why they're important and what he perceives to be the cost of not doing them. I do a little workout. I meditate. I journal. I, um, I write a note to my wife, like a love note, like a little, like a honor. I appreciate you. It's usually a text. I write a little note to my son, the same thing, a little, a little post-it note, like either, you know, I love you or it's some piece of advice, you know? Um, it's funny cause I look at those books like chicken soup for the soul that, that, you know, like, I'm like, I could never do that, but I'm, yeah. I'm actually doing it. Cause yeah. I write those, these little nuggets for my son. Um, I do a little bit of reading. I usually post something on Instagram or Facebook. And uh, those are my practices. I, 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 I've experimented around with a lot of morning practices before. You know, I used to do affirmations and um, nothing has – nothing stuck. I started a program about six months ago called Warrior that – introduced me to these, these ones that I'm doing today. And I was already doing a bunch of them. I was always already working out. I was already, already journaling, but they just provided a context for me to, you know, live into this. And these little text messages that I send to my wife have, I mean, th- they have single-handedly transformed my relationship with her. Like it's been really kind of amazing. The, the tangible impact of that little practice it's incre- it was it's been incredibly tangible. It was very hard to start doing that. Like it was very weird. Like yeah, it feels it's corny. Gonna totally corny. Yeah. Like I'm gonna send my uh, my wife loves them. Yeah. I mean, she freak. She, at first, she thought it was weird. She thought I was like, "What's wrong with you?" Like, <laughs> um, I don't. In fact, I don't know if she if she even replied to them at first. Um, I had to ask her, "Did you get my text this morning?" You know, and. Um, but now she reminds me if she didn't get one, Yeah, you know, like, Hey, what happened this morning? Where's your, sorry, sorry. I should have oh, shut yeah. this off. Um, you know, it's interesting the the cost of not doing those things to get back to the original thing we were talking about, you know, the cost of not starting my day with things that bring me power with, with that touch a bunch of different parts of my life is that I don't, I don't come out of the gate like a stallion. You know, I don't come out of the gate hard and strong and fast. I, 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 I'm, I'm left in this, you know, I'll, I'll have a morning where I'm stressed. I'm behind. I feel the pressure to get something done. I've got nothing done so far. I've been in my email. I'm trying to respond to things on email. I know there are other things I want to be doing. I've got to take my son to school. My wife is asking me about 20 other things and I end up stressed out, yelling at someone, getting upset with her for asking me something or, or my son. And when I, when I, when I, so the cost is this stress and pain in my personal life at home that when I, um, 
when I do these things, they, they disappear. Before we wrap up the series, I want to share Andy's perspective on long-term habit change and how a six-week challenge like the whole life challenge fits into the big picture. First of all, the idea that in six weeks you can establish a long-lasting habit, it's possible. It's not likely. What I want to do, ultimately, the challenge should be a year. The challenge is not six weeks. The challenge is four times engage in a six-week cycle, six-week cycle on, six-week cycle off, and use the year, set your year up so that you create a you create targets and intermediate targets and so that every quarter you have a, a new target you're trying to fulfill and you get a chance to be very accountable for it and in the game and then loose. And you try to maintain what you did or you try to hang on to some of the things that you did and then you set up another quarter and you're really working toward that one year year mark because if you, if you can hang on to some semblance of those seven daily habits for a year, you've got something that you can, that is really sustainable. There are no shortcuts, you know, and I'd love to be able to tell you that you could sign up for a boot camp or, I mean, look, you look at the show like The Biggest Loser. Most of the contestants on The Biggest Loser did not maintain their weight loss and it sucks. It's about, I love that show. I, I mean, the, the, the transformations that occurred on as a result of that show are unbelievable. They're also not healthy yeah. given the result long-term. Yeah. Our results in six weeks are not usually that dramatic, but we don't want dramatic results. What we want are long-term results, and long-term results are not sexy. They're not, they're not um, necessarily intense or hard. Yeah. They're not going to leave you feeling like you just got your ass kicked in the hardest workout you ever did in your life. They're not going to you know, make you a monk from meditating yeah. 10 minutes a day for – you know a week or six weeks, but they're the start down the path. Yeah. And I think that is what for us, that for me, that's the mother load, yeah. you know, like I want to help people get on the path and stay on the path and, and not turn them into, not put them through things that require them to be hard and intense and I can do this. I can do anything. Yes, you can. It's been proven. You can do anything for a limited amount of time. And then guess what? You go right back to your life the way it used to be and nothing changes. I hope you enjoyed this final episode in our streak series. Andy has his own show, the Breaking Ordinary podcast, and you can learn more about the Whole Life Challenge at wholelifechallenge.com. If you want help planning out your own nutrition streak, you can download the streak planning worksheet at beyondmacros.com slash streak. And if you know somebody who would benefit from this episode of the show, hit the button that looks like an arrow shooting out of a box on your podcast player. That's the share button. And you'll be able to email or message a link of the show directly to someone who you think will enjoy or benefit from it. You could also screenshot your podcast player and share it on social media with your reflections and tag at Beyond Macros for a shout out. Make sure you're subscribed to the show because next week I will be discussing the most common nutrition roadblocks I see people run into and how to overcome them. And then after a nice week to deload from the streak series, I might share some reflections and listener lessons. So if you've created your own streak, or if you've taken some serious action after listening to these episodes, shoot me an email and I'd love to share your experience on that show. 
Thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing you again next week.